You're listening to Up to the Mic. If you want to learn about the struggles and triumphs of starting a business, performing for sold out arenas, or inspiring those you lead, Up to the Mic is the show for you. Throw on some headphones and get ready to listen as our host, Vinny Hale, sits down to showcase the stories of those who deserve their stories be told. From young entrepreneurs to critically acclaimed musicians and so much more, Vinny helps compile a season of interviews that inspire listeners to follow in the footsteps of his guest. Hey everybody, this is Vinny Hale and you're listening to Up to the Mic, where we sit down to dive deeper into topics that matter to you and explore the habits and techniques that our inspiring guests used to be successful. My next guest is a marketing broker by day and a stand-up comedian by night. He's someone who's worked diligently over the past few years and is getting ready to release his comedy to the world. I'm proud to call this guy a friend and can't wait to share more about his story. Please welcome comedian and one of my very best friends, Matt Dotson. Vinny, how we doing, buddy? Good, man. I'm glad to have you. Thanks for being here. I uh, yeah. appreciate the quick notice and quick turnaround to hop on. Yeah, thanks for them, but man, I feel like we should have done one of these a long time ago, but uh, happy to be here. For all of the conversations that we've had over the years, the crazy conversations that we might have had over the years, I feel like putting it on air is finally happening. Um, but yeah. yeah, to give a little bit of a background for all the listeners out there, Matt or uh, Baby Dot, as I tend to call him, uh, like I mentioned, one of my good friends, we met in college, we actually ended up being neighbors um, at the apartment complex or the townhomes that we lived in for a couple of years while we were going to Texas A&M. Um, also lived next to his older brother for a year or so before uh, before he ended up moving out and graduating and whatnot. And uh, hence the term baby dot. So we uh, that's just it kind of stuck. And uh, now we've been lifelong friends ever since. So glad to have you, man. You've been up to some really cool stuff here recently. Like I said, you're a marketing broker by day. And on the side, you're getting ready to release, like I said, your comedy to the world. You've recently gone and done some stand-up in some pretty awesome places and had some experience dipping your toes in the water. And here pretty soon, you're going to be releasing your social medias, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but before we get into all that is your comedy, let's take it back a step and just kind of have you introduce yourself to the listeners. Talk to me about your background, uh, where you're from, what you did growing up, your family life what you do for fun, all of the like. Yeah. Um, as you said, my name is Matt. Uh, I'm from Roanoke, Texas. I have a kind of interesting family dynamic. Um, my parents got separated when I was pretty infant years, and then they got remarried pretty quickly after that. And so it's just a big family. It's I have an older brother, older sister than me. And then my parents separated and got remarried and they each had two boys. So I have five brothers and a sister, and that was just a household where things never got boring. Um, I, my childhood was mostly just mainly just sports, um, playing football, a little bit of basketball here and there, but yeah, just mainly playing sports and trying to stay out of trouble. Um, yeah, pretty much. You played, what was it, football, like you said, growing up? That was your big sport of choice? Yes, football was probably my favorite sport. Um, I played that. I started flag football when I was four, and I finished when I was 18 playing in high school. And then I did some weightlifting. That was probably my best sport, and what I competed the best at was 
either powerlifting or I did Olympic weightlifting, which is just a, a different style of powerlifting. So if anybody could see me on the screen right now, you know, I'm not the most avid weightlifter. So I'm glad that you described it for those of us that are lacking in the uh, meathead department, the difference between powerlifting and Olympic weightlifting. But that's awesome, man. What was like one of the biggest, this is going to be ironic, the biggest strengths that you had in weightlifting? Was there like a specific exercise, meaning bench press, squat, dumbbells, uh, like dumbbell curls, overhead press, whatever the exercise is that you just absolutely like, was your best one and then give us the uh give us the pr if you don't mind okay yeah my bench my best one was i think my best lift ever was bench and i just barely hit 400 um but yeah i think i think i was best at technique though i wasn't ever just like best at being the mo the having the most improvement or anything like that or having the best overall, but just having good form on everything. I got you. Well, that's something that everybody, uh, all those young athletes out there listening to should take to heart. That's what matters the most uh, to a certain extent, staying healthy, but, uh, but awesome, man, I appreciate the background. I know our listeners know more about you now as we get into more of what you're up to these days. And so that's where my next question goes. So, Talk to me about the journey in comedy. I want to know where this love and passion for being a comedian came from and then how it's translated into actually starting to write and, and go to stand-up shows and open mics for yourself. Yeah. So I think I always had a love for comedy. Like even growing up, I remember I was one of those kids who before bed would throw in a movie and just fall asleep watching a movie. And for about a year, maybe two years, it was just back and forth between best of Chris Farley or best of Adam Sandler Saturday Night Live and just popping that in, watching it and just falling in love with the skits. And so I had this love for comedy that I didn't even realize I had because I was so drowned in on sports. And then I got out of college and I just had no idea what I wanted to do. I didn't finish school. I went to AM, but I just, I struggled and I didn't end up finishing. And I got out and I was like, okay, I'm going to the workplace. I got to just work and grind this out. And I was making money, but I just didn't love what I was doing. So I just had a soul search. And for a while, I was just in a kind of down. And I was just like, man, how am I going to pull out of this? What am I going to do? And then I started realizing this love of comedy. And I remember the first time I actually started to write comedy is I was watching it and I saw this guy miss a punchline. And I was like, wait, there's a punchline there. And he just totally skipped over where a joke could have hit perfectly. And this guy was a professional. I was like, oh, whatever. I wonder if I could write something funny and then I'll go tell it to like my brother or my friend or something. So I wrote it down. I was like, okay, that's pretty funny. And I started just telling a couple jokes. And I was like, let's see if like that felt good. Let's see if I can write some more. So I just started writing again. This was probably December, 2021 when I first started writing. And then I started like diving deep down into it. How do you even become a comedian? Do you just go to open mics and then someone discovers you? But then I started like, I really listened to Joe Rogan, which I know he's controversial. Not everybody loves him, but he knows the comedy like he's that's what he does is comedy podcasting fear factor everything aside 
that's how like that's what he did for a living. So he knows the struggles and he kind of knows the path. And really the first year is just a year of procrastination. Just try to get on stage, try to figure out if you love it and why you love it. Um, so yeah, I just felt, I, I just fell in love with it just because it brought me joy. And I was thinking maybe somebody else is in a place like everybody has bad days. Like maybe somebody else was in a situation sometime, or if I can get up on stage and embarrass myself, maybe it'll make them feel less insecure or maybe it'll change their mood or just give them a, a bit of light at the end of the night. So. Yeah. It, it's awesome that you say that because in doing something that typically you think of as bringing the audience joy in turn, you're getting the, the the same reciprocation in the sense that it's bringing you joy while you're up there on the stage, making people laugh, even if it's just from, and I, I guess I'll tell a little secret about you, but uh, Matt is one of the people who over the past year or two, as he's been writing comedy, there's a select few of us who he'll go and he will re record or voice memo some of his newest punchlines, some of his newest material too. And so I'll, I'll get random uh, voice memos from Matt throughout the day and I'll sit there and I'll put them up to my ear and I'll listen to it and I'll tell him which ones are absolutely hilarious and which ones are absolute duds. And every time it never fails to at least make me get a chuckle. Some of them I, you know, definitely go all out on the ground or what is it rolling on the floor laughing for. And uh, some of them I send them back to the drawing board on, but Nonetheless, um, definitely see how it can bring joy to both parties that are uh, there at the show. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of interesting, too. It's. Um, so I, I always like music. I play a little I fiddle with guitar and just fiddle. With, I'm not good. I'm just good enough where I can just have fun with it. But I was like, oh, maybe I can write a song. And I wrote a song and it's like. Oh, that sucks. Like it, they're all terrible. And I could like barely figure out how to write. But what I found with comedy is sometimes you have a dud and you're just haven't figured comedy out enough to write that joke yet. It's still a good premise, but I've gone back a year later where I've had no idea where a joke's going. And maybe my train of thought was just differently, but I was able to take this joke and be like, Oh, I'm better at writing now. I just have a better format and being able to take that joke and actually have it blossom. So it's interesting where like, I now can understand why a songwriter might be holding on to a song or just like a part of a song for like a year. Now I know where just like, Oh, that's the song and they just have it. So. Yeah. You know, I could see the relation to like singer songwriters and also comedian. It's sometimes it takes a while to finish it. And I've even heard of comedians being even so crazy as to say like, you know, they'll write a verse or a chorus for a song, whatever comes to mind, whatever they're inspired by. And then years later, like you were mentioning with your comedy, they'll come back to it and realize like, oh, now I finally know how to finish this song. Like I finally know the melody I was looking for. I finally know the verses I, I was missing, the chorus, whatever it was. Um, so yeah, really awesome to hear, man. Uh, next, I, I want to go into... Tell me about, I guess, you've done a few different stand-up shows now. And like I said, I know you're still um, on the upward trajectory, getting your feet wet here. But tell me about your first experience um, doing a stand-up versus the most recent one. I believe um, you were in New York for the most recent stand-up uh, open mic you did. So talk to me kind of about how far you've come on that scale. 
Yeah. So I went to my first open mic up in McKinney in March of 2022. And it went exactly how you expect it. A couple chuckles, but no laughs. It was just, this is obviously this guy's first time. He's feeling it out. Everybody could tell I was shaking nervous. Um, and then I recently in December, I was planning on going to a trip in New York and I had to go up there for work. We we're going to be staying right outside the city. And I was like, Oh, maybe I should go downtown and do some comedy while I'm downtown. And just with flights getting delayed plans going just poorly work going long. I just didn't really get a chance to go into the city. And so I'm downstairs in my um, hotel room bar or my hotel bar. I'm just, shit shooting the shit with the bartender hey how's it going like what do you do and it turns out like he's a comedian too and he does stand up and i was like oh i was gonna try to do stand up while i was here but just didn't work out he goes dude one exit away there's a mall and it's got a karaoke bar that does open mics on wednesdays and i was like no way he goes yeah pull your phone goes to the website put it in i'm like okay i gotta go show up to this open mic and i was so just eager to get there and make it on time that rise. I got there was 20 minutes went on stage and was so focused on, Oh wow. I'm in New York that I didn't even pay attention. And I did really well, way, like way better than the first time, not anywhere nearly as a, as well as a professional would do, but I did well enough that it just gave me this feeling like, Oh, you can do it outside DFW. You can do it in other places. Like, you have this sense of humor that can reach a broader group than just the people who live close to you and in the culture and just the area you grow up with, which is, I guess, a stepping stone, maybe not where I should be in comedy, but it's definitely a stepping stone that people take in comedy is realizing that their target audience is more broad than they expected originally. So. Yeah, that's badass, man. I, I, I mean, just going from your first to your second to your third to your fourth, whatever it is, is a big jump in itself. But when it's going from McKinney, Texas to New York City, that I mean, that's an even larger jump and something you should be even more so proud of. Um, if you're looking at me on the video right now, if you're watching this on YouTube or uh, if this is a clip on social media of some sort, the uh, lights in uh, the room I'm recording in keep going out because they're motion detector. So I got to wave my arms around to get the lights to come back on every now and then. Um, that's aside the point, neither here nor there. Um, but what I want to talk to you about now is kind of where you gather some of your inspiration from, man. What, you know, who's your favorite comedian? Where does your inspiration come from? Like the style of comedy that you do? Um, what type of humor do you typically play the most with? Yeah. So I think my inspiration and my style are actually different. So I really like this comedian named Joey Diaz, who just brings the energy. He's an immigrant from Cuba and grew up in New York City as a kid. Just he just great. He's just a dog. He brings the energy. And I love that. And I try to take some of that into my comedy as well. Like that style's definitely influenced me a little bit. But I think the person who influences me the most as a comedian is this guy named David Tell, who's probably one of the biggest comedians currently, but not a lot of people know about him just because he's, he's just an old school guy. He's got a flip phone. He doesn't use social media. He does it for the craft. He shows up. He just 
goes club to club and just shows up and does it for the art form. And I think that's really inspirational, but my style would, I'm, a, I'm dark, I'm edgy, but I'm goofy and silly. And it kind of my fun, goofy attitude kind of allows some of the dark humor to slip through and not seem aggressive. Um, I, I would like to compare myself to something like Zach Galifianakis just a goofy, like I can't, I can't tell if this guy's being serious or if he's joking, kind of, um, kind of stage presence. So, so I've never actually heard Zach Galifianakis do stand up for for as long as I've seen him in movies and and as a celebrity in Hollywood, I've yet to listen to one of his stand up shows. So I guess I've got to do so. And then I guess where does Dave Attell? Where where did you learn about him? And how I mean, if he doesn't if he isn't popular on social media, how do you kind of start learning about him? Yeah. So he's got, he's got specials and stuff out there. He's just not, I'm going to grind it out on Twitter and Instagram and promote myself. He's just, I'm not going to promote myself. People are going to like, people are going to come. Agents are going to come. They're going to see me. They're going to like me and they're going to ask me to do specials. He's probably like, I don't know how old David Tell is. He's got to be in between like 55 and 65. He's an, he's an older guy for sure. But he's got a special with Jeff Ross right now. It's a three-episode special on um, Netflix. It's called Bumping Mics. It's kind of interesting um, because it's three episodes because when you go, when you're a touring comedian, like at their level – a lot of times you go places for a week and it's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday show. And so they're in New York city at the comedy cellar, one of the um, premier iconic comedy clubs in New York city. And they just do some jokes that are written, but a lot of it is improvised, just roasting each other, roasting, doing crowd work. And it's just, you can just tell he's got this art form and, he, and he's just worked on it because he loves it. And it's, inspirational it makes me want to be more dedicated to the craft so i feel like that would be one of the hardest parts about being a comedian in that you have to go up there and do crowd work and meaning that and maybe you can you know elaborate on that that term a little more but the way i picture that in my mind is going out there having your your set and then also playing into whatever the audience is saying to whatever the audience, however they're reacting to what you're saying, as well as maybe um, if you have a heckler out there and kind of dealing with those types of people in the audience and keeping it lighthearted and still being a form of entertainment while kind of showing up the people in the audience that are eh, a little bit of a jerk and a heckler, like I said. Yeah, I think I have, luckily, I haven't really had to deal with too many hecklers yet. I know a lot of open micers, they're you're not really expecting much anyway. So if anything's funny, everyone takes it. It's more as they're looking for positives instead of negatives, where if you go to an actual show, everybody's looking for the negatives and trying to heckle and get your attention if you're a big guy or anything. So luckily, I haven't had to deal with that. But crowd work is, is improvising. It's it's seeing a moment and going off script and working with the crowd and letting them talk to you and talking back. And I'm terrible at that. I'm not good at it at all. It's, it's horrible, but I, 
some people just have it. It just depends. Like some people, that's just their, their style of comedy is crowd work. And that's gotten really big. I know Andrew Schultz is huge on that. There's a, there's a TikTok guy, which I'm not huge on the TikTok comedians, but there's a guy named Matt Rifle, and that's his entire stand-up. It's his entire TikTok is him asking someone questions, and most of the time it's fifty percent of the time it's the audience having something that's so funny. He just has to react with the right um, body, like. Uh, Body language, emotion. Yeah. He, he, his reaction is what garners the laugh from the crowd after the audience really did all the work. <laughs> yeah, which is like, I'm kind of like, oh, that wasn't even that funny. But then every once in a while, he'll say something and it'll it'll just be boring, like the most boring answer, and he'll somehow turn that funny. I can't do that, so I have to give him props. But then I'm sitting there like, it doesn't really seem like he's doing the writing. Like that's the hardest part, I think, for me is – being dedicated to keep writing. Like I, I said a little bit similar to like music writing, except for the Rolling Stones have been touring for the past 50 years with the same music. A comedian's got to have new material every year. Like they can, especially an open mic or you go to an open mic, you have a, a great five minutes. Yeah, it's only five minutes, but that five minutes might've taken you a whole week, maybe a month to do, or like maybe one of those jokes even took you like a year to get you got to come back the next week with brand new stuff. Whereas if you're in a band, it's like, okay, here's a year. I have all, I have all these songs. I released an album. I got, I got to write new songs, but I got all this stuff to play until I have it. And professional comedians do that a little bit more because they have specials. And so like they spend a year or two years going out on tour and performing their material. So they think it's good enough that they can release it as a special. That's pretty cool. I I never actually realized that it was like These that. Are a new hour. Yeah. I uh, yeah. apologize if I cut you off there for a second. I think we had a little lapse in the internet, but um, yeah. no, I, the contrasts and comparisons between musicians and comedians is a lot more so than I initially thought. Meaning at the beginning of our conversation, you were talking to me about how there's a lot of similarities between the two. And now what I, what I think I'm hearing is that being a comedian is significantly harder than, than being a musician. Right. So it, your, your job is harder than uh, the Rolling Stones. Uh, you just gotta, you just gotta have new material. It's just <laughs> the bringing new stuff all the time is tough. Now I don't want to say it's harder because I don't have to play an instrument and I don't have to tour with, a U-Haul full of equipment, but I have to continue to keep writing. You like if you stop writing, you stop. You you just sink down. You forget about it. like. I mean, there's people out there like Chris Rock right now is on tour. Yeah, he's been on tour a little bit like since COVID, but since Will Smith slapped him, he's popped off and he's gotten huge and he's got brand new material and he's writing brand new stuff instead of performing some of the old other stuff he's had and it's brought his career back up. Now there's some like other aspects of that with the whole Will Smith thing that's helped like bring more light to him in general. But if there's a comedian you really like and they've starting to drop off, they've dropped off because they don't have any material. You can't go do your special that you did your, like you can't do especially did five years ago and it's been on Netflix forever. You can't tour with that. You got to have new stuff to tour with. 
Gotcha. Well, okay. So I have a question. Explain this to me. Is there a comedian out there that potentially has what would be equivalent to a ghostwriter in music, meaning uh, you have someone compose the music for you, and then you're the artist who goes out there and records it and sells it and goes on tour? Do you think Chris Rock has writers behind the scenes, or is that kind of a, you know, slap in the face to all the comedians out there who are actually on the grind? You know, I don't know 100% what the answer is to that. I'm sure stand-up comedians, like traditional, like Joe Rogan, I don't think has somebody doing writing for him behind the scenes. And probably not Chris Rock when he's on tour. Like, pro- But at places like SNL, that's a huge job. Or um, like Comedy Central Roast. Uh, I know me and you actually went together and saw Tony Hinchcliffe. He was one of the writers for... Um, for the roast. So they would be ghost writers, but a lot of times they're ghost writers for the celebrities who aren't comedians. Um, But I'm sure there's some cases like um, there's a guy named Kurt Metzger. Um, He is a writer. So I'm sure he writes some stand up and helps people with their jokes for the, but for the most part, he would be writing for something more like SNL or some kind of sketch comedy. Gotcha. Gotcha. Awesome. Well, that opens my eyes a little bit. I'm, I think it's, it airs on the side of having the comedian do it themselves, but there's certain circumstances in which, you know, there might be ghostwriters because SNL is one where the SNL cast is typically the one that write the jokes for the show and whoever they have on that week. I think that's how it works, but something along those lines. Yeah, I'm not really sure because I know like joke stealing is a, is a huge thing. Even if you have a premise that's stepping on somebody else's or too similar to theirs, their joke, people get really upset about that, which I mean, it makes sense. It's pretty close to just plagiarism. But um, it, it makes me like wonder like about that question too. Like, I don't know how that how that works. Like if someone's just such a great writer, but they just have no stage presence at all and you find someone who has a really great stage presence, then maybe they'll partner up. And, but I'm sure that the ghostwriter will get credit too. It's not going to be just the performer getting all the, all the credit. Yeah, that's fair. I, I guess that makes a lot of sense. Now I, I want to pivot here a little bit. We've talked okay. about your background and we've talked about, you know, what you've done in your life so far as a comedian an early stage of your career, hoping to branch out and really make a name for yourself. Um, I I've been trying to push you to, to reach out on social media. I know you said you're not a huge fan of the TikTok comedians, but I think it's an amazing platform to start and get your message out there. So I'm going to push you to, uh, to start going out there and getting your message on all the platforms that you can when you're ready. But Stepping aside from the comedy for a second, and maybe the humor will come through in these jokes, or maybe we'll just chat about some ironic uh, ironic anecdotes, but I want you to tell me something that you think is true that almost nobody agrees with you on. Okay, this is going to be controversial, but Santa Claus, I think he's going away. I think he's fading out, and here's why. It's because... Amazon does what Santa Claus wishes he could do. I mean, yeah, maybe he gets everything out in one night, but it takes him a year to get a shit together. You know what I'm saying? Uh, 
I knew like, you'd probably come packed with jokes. I don't know, dude. I, I think the clean shaved bald head Jeff Bezos is going to be the new face of Santa Claus pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, the jacked version or the Amazon early days version? Hopefully the jacked. Maybe it'll uh, promote promote health through our, our, our children in America, across America and other regions who celebrate Christmas. Yeah, because we're one of the fattest populations on earth. Yeah, and I'm part of the problem. Populations beat us, but we're one of the fattest. And maybe we can blame it all on Jeff. I don't know. Yeah, something like that. (laughs) Well, all right. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Matt Dotson said old St. Nick's going away. So next Christmas, kids, don't be expecting much unless it's got uh, Santa Jeff written on it. Good old Bezos getting it there to you in a couple days. Or I, I, you know what? I love Jeff Bezos for the reason that, you know, you were just talking about. He does what Santa wishes he could. I ordered a monitor the other day at like 3 p.m. in the afternoon. It showed up at 6 that same day. Yeah, that's why, that's why next year, this this coming year, Cyber Monday, I'm throwing a Cyber Monday party. You have to wear what you ordered that day. Yeah, you got to get up early. You got to order it in the morning. You're going to get it by the afternoon. Everybody shows up Cyber Monday party. I I love Cyber Monday. Okay. <laughs> I like that. It reminds me of the trend that was going around recently where it was a bring your own cup party. And so you would have a, a party where and have you heard of it before? I can explain, but basically I, I have everyone you throw a party, you say, hey, everyone show up at you know seven o'clock or whatever. And as people come they bring anything but a cup to drink their drinks out of, whether that be alcoholic, non-alcoholic, doesn't matter, typically alcoholic. Um, and we saw some hilarious things. Some people would clean out, you know, gallon gas containers, and some people would clean out bleach bottles. Some people would get out, like, um, watering uh, faucets, not the right word, but, you know, teapots yeah, or water pots. Can. Yeah. yeah, planters. But, yeah, no, I was – I guess you've never heard it before. I was going to be curious what your cup of choice would be if we threw a anything but a cup party. Yeah. Uh, for the amount that, you know, we've drank a few times together. For the amount that I try to consume, we might need a kiddie pool. So, but you know what that reminds me of is when they used to throw the parties at 7-Eleven on like, I think it's July 11th. It's the 7-Eleven day. And, it's like you take whatever you want and you like fill up and it's like whatever you get, like the five gallon containers people are filling up with Slurpee and it costs whatever the like large Slurpee is. It's like a dollar for whatever. And people were bringing in kiddie pools and coolers and just freaking going crazy with the Slurpees. No way. I've never actually heard of that. I need to look into the Seven Eleven day if that's still a thing. Cause there's one right down the street. Yeah. You, you need to, it is a thing. You know, we were talking about obesity in America. I'm probably the problem. Okay. <laughs> oh, well, I no. love seven Oh, that's funny. Oh, uh, well, didn't you just start? Uh, you look like you slimmed down a bit. You just started a new workout program, right? Yeah, I uh, I've been working out, hitting the weights recently for like the past year. Um, I. I've been dating this girl recently and she wants to do the, the 75 hard with me or the medium, which is just like the step down, which I was like, okay, I, could, I might be able to hang with that. I couldn't do like the two workouts a day and 
whatnot. It's pretty much the same thing. It's just one workout a day, 10 minutes of reading. You got to drink like a gallon of water, meditate, no alcohol, that kind of thing. But uh, I'm trying. I'm just trying to be more more conscious and balance things. I, like between just work and trying to do comedy, I got to kind of look at, okay, I got to what's going to be the most productive way of living. Like I got to be healthy. I got to be smart about what I'm intaking and my impulse decisions. So, yeah, I mean, like, like anyone can run a marathon. It's not like, I mean, I know you did like a couple, couple of months ago or a month ago. Now I tried, I just tried to run this afternoon. I, it took me about 30 minutes to get in two miles. I was the the second mile I was walking this whole second half. I was just marching with my hands above my head. Well, but, uh, all right. I want to, I want to jump back to the, the funny or I guess more lighthearted questions that I had, I had scheduled for you here. Um, one of which I'm not so sure that I have an answer to. So I'm curious to see what you'll say, but if you were to be left on a deserted island and there was only one thing that you could bring with you, what would that one thing be? Okay. Okay. I think the first thing is it depends what island it is. Because if it's Staten Island, I'm bringing a gun. But uh, I don't know if it's a deserted island. I don't know. I'm probably bringing one of those duck boats full of full of gas. You know what I'm talking about? It's the like little like safari safari cars that like you drive around and they got like this big boat thing and you just drive it down. Like they use them in like World War II or something. You just drive down and they just float across the water. I, those, awesome. I have no idea what you're talking about, but it sounds cool. Oh, people, people out there listening, if you know what a duck boat is, you're the real ones out there. All right. Well, I guess this one's a little less lighthearted or it could be funny. It could be uh, just like a general question about who inspires you. But, you know, if you could have dinner with any three people, who would they be and why? Okay. Do they have to be alive? No, I don't care. Okay. Well, these guys will be alive because they're having dinner with me. But um I honestly probably Joe Rogan just because he's very like he's just inspirational to me. He, he I find him very funny. We have a very similar dark edgy sense of humor um, and he's a 30 year comedian. Um, another one would be Dave Chappelle. I do like comedy. I do like him because his comedy, but he's just he's just the coolest dude in the room in any room he walks into and he's just he's a slick dude. But I think the last, the most important dude would be the guy from Man Versus Food. I don't remember his name, but that dude hammers food. And I don't know what we're eating, but I know if Joe Rogan's going to be there, where it's going to be at least a three-pound tomahawk, and I want to see him get after it. So <laughs> That's awesome. I, I beg to differ on when Dave Chappelle walks in and he's immediately the coolest guy in the room. If you follow my blog at all, if you don't, you should, vinnyhale.com. Go check it out. Silent or uh, selfish plug there. But <laughs> I have an article about the top three coolest guys in the world. Um, I don't remember who the other two were because they probably changed at this point. But one who has been 
at the forefront of my list for a while now. Um, is the coolest guy. Your mom knows him. Your mom loves him. Your sister knows him. Your sister loves him. He's the coolest guy. He'll drink beers with you. He'll hang out. He'll play you a song. He'll act in the show you're watching or the movie you're watching on TV. He is none other than JT, Justin Timberlake. Because when Justin Timberlake walks into a room, he is immediately the coolest guy in said room. And I will, I will die on that hill. And you've been listening to too much Cole Whittlesley lately is what you've been doing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, well, yeah, hey, shout out uh, our good friend Cole Whittlesley. He's got some new music out. Go uh, check it out on all your streaming platforms. Um, but All right, so speaking of, I have recently been Googling Cole Whittlesley to listen to his new songs or searching him. What was the last thing that you have Googled, Baby Dot? Oh, man, you don't want to know. Let me look, let me look. Last thing I had Googled, what happens when a bird gets tired mid-flight or if they have a fear of heights? Do they, like, what happens? That was the last thing I Googled. I'm stuck. I, Siri said I don't understand, and she wasn't able to find me an answer, but, I mean, if a bird is afraid of heights, like, you know, one of them's got to be afraid of heights. Like, what happens mid-flight when they look down, they're like, oh, shit. Like, do they just, like, lower down, or is it just... just you know, you've really down? got a point with this one. I'm, I'm confused. It reminds me of the... It's a little different, but it's one of those ones that really hurts your brain to think about, like, is water wet? Can... Yeah, what if the bird can't fly? Like, what if it's an ostrich on the top of a mountain and realizing, what am I doing up here? I'd be wondering the same thing, especially whether an ostrich was on top of the mountain. I'd be wondering how it was there, what it was doing there. Or if I was on top of a mountain, I'd be wondering, what am <laughs> I doing here? Or how did I get here? So, Well, if I make it to the top of a mountain, it's because I was riding the ostrich. So, <laughs> Oh, well. If you ever learn how to ride an ostrich, I'd love to see that one day. But I'm going to bring it bring it back down to earth a little bit. Ask a more serious question. As someone who has a lot of inspiration and insight, I'd like to pose the question to you, Matt. Would you rather have more time or more money? Man, that's a good one because I don't really strive for money. I don't think that's like what I want. I think that's part of the reason David Tell inspires me. It's because he's hit the he's hit a peak of his career, but he doesn't promote because he's not really worried about the money. He makes enough. Um, and money can put you in better situations. Like it could put me in downtown Dallas in a penthouse apartment where I can walk to the comedy club every night and not have to drive an hour because I live way out in the country. Um, but I would rather have more time because all the lessons you learn along the journey, sometimes the journey just takes people a little bit longer. And so I find like the time is more valuable to be able to learn more lessons from your journey, getting to where you want to be instead of, having the money to just get you more tools to make it easier if that makes sense 
Very well said. I think everyone should kind of take that and uh, pay homage to that and think back on how their life is structured and what they're striving for, because you said it very well that it's not always so much about what the money can buy, but more so about what you do with your life and the time you have to do it. So I appreciate that anecdote there. But on that same note, um, about what you want to to do with your time. What are your upcoming goals? Uh, we're at the start of 2023. It's a new year. So what are your goals for the upcoming year and into the future, five, 10 years down the road, whether that be personal, financially, com- in your comedic career? You know, what are you striving for? Yeah, really, I think... Um... I think all my main goals right now are just focused towards comedy, just a little little bit of goals, just being healthier and just being more mindful, like we talked about earlier. But for the most part, it's just the comedy goals. I hope for the next six months, I want to be getting on stage at least once a week. Um, I think I, I really stru- structured my year in like trimesters, like in third. So like the first four months of the year, get up at least once once a week for the next four months of the year, try to do two times a week and then finish out with three times a week. Hopefully right around springtime, once I'm finishing up that first four months is when I'm hoping to start releasing some of my social media. I'm not sure if I want to do it in a traditional way that other people do where you're just posting five minutes of, or like two or three minutes of clips of whatever your work is. Or if I want to be able to um, take my five-minute bits and create almost like a timeline where they flow, even if it's like, because when you do an open mic, most of the time you only get about five minutes. But I want to see if I can put four or five clips together to make a 20-minute special and actually come out with a special, probably going to call it like just getting started and just having like, new comedy and open micer uh, people don't really do it because you don't really have the amount of time but i've started to find that like okay i have 10 minutes and of this 10 minutes eight to five minutes is good and i can shrink it down perform that and find something else that flows with it do it at a different club or the same club a different night and kind of blend those together to actually come out with something more of like a special and so that's my goal by the end of the year maybe is going to get pushed back, but those are like short-term goals, long-term goal, five years, hopefully within the next five, three to five years become unpaid regular to a paid regular somewhere. Maybe move down to Austin. That's a big new hub for comedy. And hopefully in by eight years to 10 years from now, I'll be touring. That's, that's the big goal is to be touring somewhere, doing it as, as a professional for a living, but that's, that's a long goal and it's a stretch. And even if, even if I make nothing of comedy and I just keep getting better and I get at a very stable level where I can just continue to open mic, that would, it's just fun for me. So I would definitely um, continue that. But I think a goal that I just have for myself every day is to continue, continually look back at what I'm doing, whether I'm making progress, whether I'm getting better each day. Whatever I'm doing, whatever I decide to do five years from now, as long as I'm trying to get better one step at a time every day 
it'll improve my life. Small habits create big habits. So, Well, Matt, we are most certainly pulling for you. And I, I speak for myself and hopefully all the listeners out there that your goals are are lofty, but very much achievable. And you're a funny guy and you got a lot going for you. And we're hoping that these open mics over the next six months turn into something special. And ironically enough, an actual special. And I think it's really inspiring that you're going out on a limb and trying something new, trying a different approach because you never see anyone that goes with the status quo and makes it extremely big for the most part. And trying to break that status quo and do your own thing it might work, it might not, but either way, you're going to do something different. You're going to learn from it, and that's going to be awesome to see. I personally can't wait for it. In the meantime, um, I know you're not releasing anything on social media yet. Um, is there? I guess I can shout out your Instagram here. If there's anywhere else that you'd like me to shout out, feel free to let the listeners know where where they can look out to see you in the next couple months. Yeah, um, my Instagram is at mdotson56. I don't really, it's my personal Instagram. I haven't posted on there in years, but hopefully soon come spring once I have my other social media up and ready to go. Um, probably March, look for it. I'm going to be posting it, posting my new social medias and and promoting them from my personal one. And um, yeah, that'll be the best place to look for me. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate the time, Matt. Thank you for listening, everyone. Like he just said, if you want to keep up with Matt and see when he releases those new social medias, you can follow him on Instagram at mdotson56. That's at M-D-O-T-S-O-N-5-6. As always, don't forget to follow the podcast on all platforms at up to the mic underscore pod. We'll see you in the next one. Let's go. Yeah. I'm like an addict, do I gotta have it? I ain't even playing, got a really bad habit.